0: Good morning. Good morning. It's been a while. (laughs) It's good to be here. Um, Definitely, definitely good. Um, You know, I would hear people come and talk about uh, Pastor Venice, you know, when when they would come and visit and preach and things and say that uh, New Mission really had, like, the best-kept secret or something like that. And I feel like a kid that's gone, you know, to college or something, you know, it's like you might meet new people and, you know, do different things and, you know, um, have different experiences, but you never forget where home is. And if the last, I think it's been like six months has taught me is that people are right. Yeah, you don't find a pastor like Pastor Venice, so. I'm grateful to know where home is and I'm grateful that you, you, um, you definitely would not let me forget that. Um, God definitely has a grace that's on you that I constantly pray for, you know. Well, not, not exactly, because I don't want to go through whatever you had to go through to get it. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just the anointing that God has on you, you know. If I could just get a piece of it, I think that I would be all right in the ministry. <laughs> it was, like, good. Um, it is always good to see you, Dr. Smith. Um, I wonder why God allows you to come here when I preach. It's not sure. It's like of all the days, but um, we're going to try to get through it. You know, I was thinking I was going to get up here super excited. I was thinking in the car of how I was going to start this thing off about how, how lovely it is to preach and, you know, how I just know that it's something that God has called me to do. It's like just last night it was flowing through me like water, and it was like, ah, I couldn't even sleep. And this morning I'm like, okay, wait. What were you saying? Okay, bring it back. <laughs> but have faith that God will still speak. Um, you guys know who I am. We don't need no introductions or anything like that. We're going to run right to the word. We're going to try to get through this as quickly as God will allow. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, will you please turn to the 11th chapter of Luke? Hmm. Luke chapter 11, we're going to begin our reading in the first verse. I think Ms. Kathleen's got it up on the screen in case you don't have a Bible with you. We're going to be reading from the New King James Version. It reads a little bit different than the uh, King James, but not so much that you can't follow along. If you're able, well, most of you already are standing. That's great. That's um, great. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Now, it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father... In heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You may be seated. I'm going to talk to you this morning briefly from the topic of how to deal with God. How do we deal with God? Uh, Let's pray first. God, if you would, just remove any parts of me that are left and just for the next couple of minutes, allow us to hear from you and your spirit. Do what only you can do, and and I just believe that something miraculous will happen here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. I always try to be careful when coming up with uh, these topics. Actually, if I had my way, we wouldn't have to necessarily... Put a subject line on every sermon like we were writing a term paper or something. But since we do what we do, we come up with these, you know, these these subjects to help you kind of understand what the central theme is that the Spirit is trying to communicate to the church. Um, I wrestled with this particular one, how to deal with God. I actually had to double-check, like, God, is this what you want us to be talking about? Because it could sound like you're talking about, you know, how do you deal with a child? You know, how do you deal with somebody? Like, you're talking about, you know, a supervisor that you can't get along with. Are you talking about, you know, some some teenager that's not listening? But I really think that if we can, if we can think about how we really deal with people every day, then it can set us up to really approach this message from the right perspective that we need to. Um, every day we are dealing with people. We put people in a certain office or we put people in a certain place in our life and that dictates our relationship with them. You don't walk into Nordstrom the same way you walk into Walmart. You deal with them differently based on your perception of them. You don't deal with your sister the same way you deal with your daughter. You might conversate with your sister but you shut your daughter down. You, you don't deal with your son the same way you deal with your husband they might both get on your nerves but you have to learn how to deal with people differently there are some people you answer the phone for and some people you just let it ring there are some text messages that you just say not now and there are some that you get back with there are the way that we talk to our family and then there's the way that we talk to our friends you might value both of them you might love both of them but some information isn't for family family can't handle it but then again there are some things that you have to take to family but you can't take to your friends we every day are dealing with people and I'm wondering have we really mastered how to deal with God you know and anytime that I get an opportunity to preach I'm asking that God would give me something that's relative something that we can actually talk about that that really would impact us today and I'm like do we really need to learn how to deal with you and he said yeah he said, look around, do you see every day where people are putting me in the right office in which that I should be, and that's the way they are dealing with me relationally? Do you really understand who God is, and do you approach him as such, as such, or is he just this deity that we've read about, but we really don't know? And that's the question. See, we really have to stop and think about who is God. And if you don't think about it, you will be disturbed. And if you do think about it, you will be disturbed. God has shaken up our ideas of him from the very beginning. He, he has really taken the fact that his thoughts are so far above our thoughts and his ways so far above our ways, and he has run with it so much that He we have never really been able to, to really predict what he was going to do next. He, he always had his own weird way of doing things that, that we still find ourselves trying to wrap our mind around who he is. But Dr. Smith, I remember you are saying he's so big that if he, moves, he, he bump into himself. And it's like we're still trying to really figure out who this God is, and he does things his own individual way. Instead of getting the boat he parts through, He parts to sea. It's like, okay, that's something that God does. I don't exactly understand it. Instead of just sending a messenger to Jonah and saying, look, you will do what I want you to do, he sends a whale to swallow up a person. And it's like, I, I still don't exactly understand this God that we're talking about. You know, he, he always has his own way of doing things even when we even when he said he was coming and we would expect him he changed our expectation The children of Israel found themselves in a great deal of bondage. They they were looking for this king that was going to come in and he was going to completely turn the government up on his head. They they were in a a place where, you know, they were not the people that were esteemed. They were slaves. They they were in bondage to the government and they knew that there was going to have to be this supernatural king that God was going to ride in and he was going to save the day. They had other monumental figures. They, They knew that they were the children of uh, Father Abraham. They knew about Moses. They they knew about Joshua, but they always understood that these people had an expiration date, and there was going to have to be this king that was going to come, and what he was going to do wasn't going to have an expiration date, and it was going to completely topple the government that they thought about. And so they're waiting on this great king that was going to be wiser, stronger, and bigger than all the West, and their expectation was that when he would send this Emmanuel, this God, with us, he would he was going to come riding in on a horse. He was going to have a legion of angels with him. He was going to be super tall. He was going to be Liam Neeson built, and he was going to have his sword and his shield in hand. And when they found out that this great warrior was finally coming to topple the government, they ran to see him, and they realized he had to be changed. Because the great king that they were expecting, he didn't ride in on a horse, but he arrived in a manger. The, this great warrior that they were expecting that was going to physically overthrow the kingdom and restore it back so that the children of Israel were in control, yeah. yes, sir. he needed a diaper. <laughs> That's right. That's right, yes, sir. God will disturb you. And so, so 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 we wrapped our head around that and we said, okay, maybe there's a there's a reason for this. And so we expect that 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 Jesus he was gonna rise up and he was gonna start going to military school, you know. They weren't gonna send him to Cincinnati Public. They were gonna send him away, you know, to that, you know, that that other school, you know, where you get all of your training. And and so we expect to see this man, you know, carrying people's armor and learning how to war, learning how to overtake the kingdom. But instead we find the 12-year-old Jesus. And he, he's in the temple. Yes, sir. And he's inquiring questions that, that people just didn't ask. And he's answering things. And we're like, okay. All right, well, he's smart. We'll give it a few more years. But, but he's going to really need to start bulking up. And so he's working with his dad. He's a carpenter. And we're like, okay, okay, okay. And he gets a little older and he starts his ministry. And we're like, I don't know what ministry really has to do with it. And he, he recruits 12 people. Yes, sir. Right. They don't really look like the army fighting type. He's recruiting some fishermen, some everyday people who who really don't have the skill set to go to war. Remember, we're expecting a a warrior. We're expecting somebody who's going to be able to come up against the king and the government and overcome so that we can be free, right? But instead, he's walking around with these 12 gentlemen, and, and he's doing crazy things like talking to sinners. He, he, he seems less interested in the sword and more interested in, in that woman that we were about to stone. But she deserved it because, you know, she, she committed sexual sin. But, but Jesus, he concerns himself with her instead of what we see is the bigger problem. Is it perhaps that God does things differently because the old way still hasn't worked? Is it possible that, that, that maybe he's on to something that we weren't on? See, don't be fooled that just because Jesus didn't walk around like a knight in shining armor, he was still the Messiah. <laughs> Don't be fooled, but just because his main goal was not to sit on the throne that these other kings sat on does not mean that he was not king. That was the first thing that God sent me to remind you today is that God is king and you must respect him as such. This prayer that Jesus is talking about, he's talking about bringing the kingdom. And what Jesus's goal was, was to bring the kingdom on earth. And we were so caught up in it being this physical thing that he was going to have to come in and physically replace the king on the throne. But God says, I don't need to do that because I'm the king that kings call kings. So I <laughs> Need to sit on his throne for me to be in control, and I don't need to take this physical territory. But the kingdom that I bring, it it surpasses your physical territory, and it's happening right now. John the Baptist runs and he says, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And it happened right when Jesus was on the scene. How is he bringing this kingdom? You have to understand that God is a good king, and his kingdom is built on the premise of love. And so, when Jesus was spending time, time with the sinners loving on them he was advancing the kingdom of God let's talk about that what does love really mean what does love really has to do with it you know love is an ascribed value that you give to another person or thing an ascribed value that you give to another person or thing and the thing about God's love is the value that he has on you there is nothing you can do to change it the value that he has on you there is nothing you can do to change it from so from the high priest that he's trying to 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 get through and trying to get them to understand that yeah this was the way of abraham but i want you to understand that a new thing has come so from that person that he was loving on to the woman that he was trying to keep from getting stoned he loved them both the same I'm so glad that there is an unconditional love that comes with the kingdom of God. And what we find in Jesus when he's doing these things, whenever even the, the, the everything would come back to him, he's pointing back to this good king in heaven. He, he could take the credit. He, after all, he is a part of this deity. But he understands that he was here on assignment. He understands that he is working for the king. Do you understand that you are working for the king? I'm going to ask one more time. I'm going to take a sip before to give you a moment to really think about it. Do you understand that you are working for the king? What I like about the Baptist church, we are so good at chiming in We are so good at amen. We are so good at yes. But do you really stop to think about what God is saying? There's only two things that he's really trying to get across today, and one of them is he's saying, I am king. And my question to you is, do you treat him as king? What we notice about Jesus is every day he's bending his life towards the kingdom. Every day is about advancing the kingdom of God. And my question is is your everyday about advancing the kingdom of God. See, you have to understand that that when God is king, that means that you have to take this submissive role up under him, and so that everything that you do has to fall in line with what the king says because the king gets to do what the king wants to do because he is king in his kingdom. And if you are going to be in his kingdom, recognize his kingdom, then everything that is in his kingdom falls under his dominion. And if it falls under his dominion, then that means that what he says goes. But anytime you step in and you say, this is your money and this is mine, we're living outside the kingdom. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Daggone it, he had to go there. Yes, anytime you say, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, but, but this part of my life, this is mine, We're living outside the kingdom. See, the king has 10 very distinct commandments that he's not willing to bend on. And you have to align your everyday life up with all 10 of those commandments if he is to be king in your life. And so you might say, well, oh, I mean, is one more important than the other? Can I get away with some and not doing that? He may go as far as saying, look, wrap it up in these two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul, all your might, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. But recognize when you really do those two things, you still sum up all of the Ten Commandments that he has given you to do. But the problem is, church, we have gotten so good at loving God with 50% of our heart, and 80% of our soul, and maybe 30% of our strength, are we bending our 100% towards this good king? If God is king, that means he lords over your finances. That means that, yeah, even though you worked your 80-hour week, your double shift, your everything, that God still has a say-so where you put your money. If he is your king. That means that if you hear that still voice, he said he doesn't come as thunder, but if you hear him saying, church is running campaign, I need you to drop 50 in it today, you drop that 50, no questions asked, because he is king. King says, if I have rules and I say that, no, that's not the person I want you to be in relationship with, then you have to listen, because he is king. King King can say, I want you to do this, and you just have to do it, because he is King. 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 King doesn't say I share the throne. He was very, very, very honest about the fact that he was going to be a jealous God. And then we run around with all these coexist signs on our cars, and, and we want to be so politically correct, and, and we want to tell people that you know you can believe in Buddha and you can believe in in Allah, and you know they're all the same God and you're all gonna get there. But King says, No, this is one kingdom, this is my throne. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through Jesus Christ. And it's the one Father, God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, because he is king. He doesn't have to be politically correct because he is the king of kings so that his politics defy our politics. He he doesn't have to fall into our government in the way we want to put it. Yeah, we might take him off the $100 bill. We might not do the pledge and, and say in God's name in school anymore but he still reigns as king. And what he's trying to remind the church is as we as a culture continues to move towards this place where God is just a choice. That's right, sir. Let me say it again. As we as a culture continues to move toward a place where God is just a choice. God says, don't you forget church that I am the standard. Yes, sir. I, it's not optional, this thing. This is the kingdom. This is my way or no way. And he's not apologetic about it. So, how do we deal with the king? How do we deal? Do we approach him in fear and trembling because he is the king? Do we not share any of our indiscretions with him because he is the king? He is king. Amen. Yes, sir. God, Jesus says, thy kingdom come, yes. thy will be done on earth. That means that everything that is David has to come secondary to what he wants to do Amen. because he is king. Yes, sir. But what comforts me is that what I like most about the Lord's prayer are the first two things that Jesus said. See, they approach Jesus and they want to know, was it that you pray? Because you seem to have this awesome relationship with God, all right? You seem to have this fantastic relationship where you're doing things that we have never seen anybody else do. And whatever the way you talk to God, that's the way I want to talk to God because I want just a little bit of what you got, you know? And, and Jesus says, okay, let me teach you how to pray. And he says, our Father. Yes, sir. He doesn't say, my Father, your King. He doesn't say, my father, your God, distant, distant, distant view. He doesn't say, my dad, the person that you serve. He says, our father. And for a moment, it makes me think that we can approach God the same way Jesus can. For a moment, it really makes me think that we can approach him as if we are sons and daughters of the living god i don't think that we really wrap our head around that and deal with god as king but also deal with him as father we we throw the word around father god father god our father who art in heaven but do we really think of him as daddy that's daddy I don't think we do, let me tell you why. See, I believe that Sasha and Malia, pre- the two daughters of uh, President Obama, I don't think that they're above the law. I don't think that, that if they did something that, that broke the code of the United States government, that they would be necessarily exempt from anything, but you better believe they got a little more clout than you and I. I have watched too much scandal to not know that it's all about who you know yes, and the right phone call that you can make. Yes, so don't you think for a moment that if something were to go down with Sasha Armelia, that it wouldn't take one phone call to daddy to get some things straightened out. See, President Obama has a obligation to you and I as our president, for lack of a better word, as king but he has a separate obligation to Malia and Sasha as father. I believe that he would not have gone through everything that he wanted to go through to be president if he did not care about you and I. But you would be a fool to think that he's going to fight harder for you than he would for Malia or Sasha. Malia and Sasha are no fools. I believe if something were to go down, that they know who they're going to call and who's going to come to their rescue. Because he is, he's daddy. He's father. Oh, you've seen it on TV. You might have known somebody who, who, who has that lawyer dad, who has that judge dad, and when something go wrong, it's one text message, daddy, help me. Daddy, I'm in trouble. Daddy, who do you run to when things go wrong? You run to father. And perhaps it's because we live in a culture where all of us got daddy issues that we have forgotten how to deal with God as daddy. See, we watch it in movies when a husband and a wife are having financial troubles and and you know how the husband always wants to be the one that you can run to, but the wife is looking at him and saying, okay, well, baby, you ain't got no job and so I'm just going to have to go and I'm going to have to ask my ex for help. And you should be able to understand it. You should put your pride aside, right? But you know how that man feels if his wife doesn't come to him for help and then going to run to the ex? Y'all watch soul food. Don't play. Y'all know how this went down. Imagine if God is the king that king called kings. If God has dominion over this entire earth, if God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, if he is the healer, if he is everything that I could ever need and more, how dare I go to my ex to satisfy what the king could have done? But now he's not dealing with me as king. He's offended as father. Didn't you think that you could have brought that to me? You know the only reason that we live outside the kingdom? The kingdom of God is not the only kingdom that exists. You'll be a fool to think so. There is also a kingdom of the world, and the ruler of that kingdom is Satan. I did not come here to tell you that God is your king. I came to tell you that God is king, but it's up to you to decide who is your king. (laughs) I'm going to wrap this up. See, understand, the kingdom of God is built on love, which means that the kingdom of the world must be built on hate. Why in the world would anybody want to position themselves in the kingdom that is built on hate? Well, you have to understand that the kingdom of God is run by Satan, and Satan is no fool. And Satan has been staring at you for a very long time trying to get you from God. Why? Because he is an enemy of God, and the kingdom of God is built on love, and God wants to be in a loving relationship with you. And the only way that God cannot be in a loving relationship with you is if we decide that we would rather be more in a loving relationship with ourself. What that means is anytime that we want to do our way and not your way, my will be done and not thy kingdom come, let me sin instead of being in the righteous point that you have called me to, we are pushing God away. And so what Satan will do, he will not show up with big horns and and a, and a pitchfork and a tail, but he will show up as crack cocaine. And he will say, let me make you feel good. He, he, he will show up as that group of friends that ain't never got nothing good to say. Yeah. There ain't nothing but gossiping. Ain't no way pushing you forward but holding you back. He, he will show up in the form of sex, and he will say, you need this. You, it, it's a limbic system need. They teach us that this is something that you need to be to survive. Boy, I'm telling you, if it's not with your husband or your wife, then that's just something that God says no. But Satan will show up, and he will say, I will give you this. Satan is a liar, he is a thief, he seeks to kill you, and he seeks to destroy you. Not that he wants to show up like the Terminator and, and, you know, just show up and completely obliviate you, but if he can get you away from your purpose and your destiny, then he has successfully destroyed that which God has had for you. So when God says that I have somebody waiting for you, but you just can't wait? and you have to go out and grab this, even though you should have been bringing your problem to God and finding your solace in your relationship in him, but you went out and you found it in the world, you have stepped outside the kingdom of God, and Satan is trying to destroy your destiny when god says i want you to really be able to stand and be naked and not ashamed with me and bring your problems so we can really deal with them and cope with them in a healthy way but every time you decide that the only way you can deal with this is by another drink and you know you're an alcoholic with another thing and you know you're addicted to drugs you are choosing the kingdom of the world to deal with the issue rather than choosing the kingdom of god Why is it that we refuse to choose the kingdom of God? Because our Father will put you in a place that is uncomfortable. Because even though he is king, even though he has clout, he will still take you through the process. He's not interested in bending his power your way. He's interested in growing you so that you really understand that daddy will not just run to your every rescue, but you will understand that he will be a healer. But he will allow you to get sick just so he can show up and be healer. He might allow you to go with only $2 in your pocket just so you would know that he will give you enough manna every day just to make it through. And I'm not sure how the ends meet every single day. I've never been reported, and, and I just don't understand. The light's never been cut off, and, and I'm still eating every single day. God will put you in a position to really understand who he is. Satan will promise you instant gratification, but it will come at a cost of your soul. and so. He might give you some money right now. He will give you the self-gratification right now, but it will cost you in the long run. And God says what I have for you. God has been very clear that I've known the plans for you. He's daddy, you gotta remember. You ever seen a dad with his, his ears all the way up to like the, the pregnant woman's belly and they are just trying to listen and he's all excited and they went and they got an ultrasound so they can know if it's a boy or a girl and, and as soon as they know the sex, they're buying all of this stuff because they have expectations for these people. You got parents who have trust funds, you know, haven't even conceived yet and already started a bank account for the baby because they have plans for the baby. If we take care of our own... Don't you think that God was excited about you? And if you don't, let me tell you, God says that before you even knew there was a you. Before your parents even conceived you, I knew the plans that I had for you. And I want to comfort you and tell you that they were plans to prosper you. They were never plans to harm you. They were plans to advance you. And I don't ever want you to get to a place where you think that daddy is not there. And I want you to get to know me because you'll get to know that not only am I your daddy, but I am your king and I have all power. <laughs> I've gotten the opportunity to to go different places, like within, like I said this last year, and I visited you know different denominations and not, and I'm not trying to come here and you know talk doctrine or anything like that. But one thing I will say that I notice, if I may, that I notice a lot of in a non-denominational or Pentecostal, they're not afraid to use the power of confession. <laughs> and I'm not saying that we don't do it, but I'm saying we need to do it a little bit more. I'm saying if you really believe that God is who he says he is, if you really believe that he will do that which he said he will do, your expectation will change when you see him as father. If you start your prayer with our Father, your expectation ought to dictate everything else that comes after that. I see too many people walking around this church talking about, I I just ain't got it in. And you know, I still ain't got no check. And the doctor said this, and I just don't know. Where is your expectation? Who is the daddy that you go home to? You ought to change the way you talk to him. I come to him like he is my daddy. And you said that I would be the head and not the tail. You said that I would have this. You said that you would heal me, and I'm just waiting on you to do what you already said you were gonna do. I had to change who I deal with, who I even asked to pray for me. Last Saturday, I was performing in Hamilton. Turned my phone off. I'm good for turning my phone off. I don't like keeping the phone. Got out, turned the phone on. Last text messages, call me ASAP, my cousin. Called him, hey, what's up? Said, giving me the news about my grandmother, talking about it. And um, I said, okay, well, what? You know, he just said, where are you? I said, I'm in Hamilton. He said, you need to get here. Where's here? You need to get to Jewish. Okay, what's wrong? It's Granny. They're trying to bring her back. Okay, what does that mean? Just get here. Got a little worried. I've been, you know, for these last couple of months talking to people, talking about the power of confession, talking to people and, you know, praying for other people and standing in the way. But miles away, snow on the ground, and the only thing I was told was they trying to bring her back. What does that mean? Because bring her back means that right now she's somewhere she shouldn't be. First thing I said was, not today. First thing I said was, not today. Come on, Jesus. Yes. I'm going to be honest with you. I tried to fix myself to go into this really deep prayer. Couldn't do it. Tried to fix myself to stand up and say, oh, yeah, I just command that body right now. Couldn't do it. But i tell you what I could do called a friend. Didn't call a friend that doesn't know that God is king and doesn't know that God is daddy. See, you got those friends that will walk with you so far, but then you got those people that you know when things really go down, they ride or die. I didn't want to call anybody that was going to say, I'm praying for you, but I didn't want to hear from the, any of these people saying, I just want you to prepare yourself. That's not the type of person I was trying to call right then. I called one of my friends who, he, he will be in Kroger, and he will see somebody in a wheelchair, and he'll walk up to you, never met you, and say, you know, I just want to pray with you. And I just believe that if it be the will of God, <laughs> I, said, I said, Rick, you crazy. <laughs> but that's who I call when things really got crazy told me he was just coming out of the Hunger Games with 10 other friends and said, all right, wait, let's do this. Right there in the movie theater, they got in a circle and they started to pray on behalf of my grandmother. When I couldn't, I called somebody who could I didn't want to call somebody that said hey well you know you know it could go either way and I'm not sure I wanted to call somebody that knew the promise of God and who was going to really call and depend on that promise I called somebody that started talking stuff I didn't even know what they were saying I explained the situation next thing I heard was and I said okay all right do what you gonna do and I just believed that he had some oil and he was going in on behalf of my grandmother and that's just okay because where I couldn't I recognized for somebody who can You better have a good two or three people that you can call on who know God just as well as you do, if not better, and understand who it is that they're talking to. So when you can't get there for yourself, you got some people who will intercede. I'm so glad that when I got to the hospital, when, we, when the person came in to give us a report, he emphasized that she had died, emphasized that she was gone, but she's back right now and we got her stabilized. Sid, we tried to look at her heart, and the heart seems a little stronger than we expect. And he's sitting there shaking his head like he doesn't understand. Only thing I can say is, but God. Amen. So every day we're worried about it and we're concerned. And I have to be honest, I'm still a little shaken right now. Until my friend Ronnie, she's sitting back there. She said, you, you say act like you don't know who God is. And she checked me. He, he, you act like you don't know he's the king of glory. Yeah. posted on facebook you know asking more people for prayer and i'm worried At about 9:20. she checked me i had to get back on there and say to everybody he is the king of glory yeah. and you know what i just believe that this ain't it i'm not saying that one day she won't pass we all will pass but i'm telling you i got relationship with daddy and i got something in my spirit told me that this ain't it Something in my spirit told me that this ain't it, and I started making confession. And my expectation changed. I tell you what, went back there the next day, she's on a ventilator, but they say that she's breathing well, and she might not need the ventilator. Okay, but we're going to take our time. We're not going to take it off. All right, but went back the next day, the ventilator is off, and she's up, and she's, and she's got her eyes open, and she's able to talk. All right, good, but the body's weak. We went back the next day, the body is moving, but the body is restless, and so we're not exactly sure. Went back the next day, the body is not restless and she's sitting there. Went back the next day, she's sitting up in a chair. My expectation has changed. Now I expect that today she will be better than she was yesterday. And I'm speaking on the promise because I know who daddy is. Will you stand in faith and speak to whatever it is? I'm talking 100% blockage, no blood getting to the heart, already dead, but will you speak to a dead thing? If you know who God is, if you know that your dad has done it once and he can do it again, If you know that Jesus said our father, which put me somewhere really close to him, and if he did it for Jesus, my Bible says that the same power that was used to raise Jesus from the dead is the exact same power that will quicken your mortal bodies and raise you up too. What is it that God cannot do? Everywhere you look, The kingdom of the world seems like it's advancing. And the kingdom of the world seems like Satan, the king of the world, is winning. You can't turn on the TV without another person getting shot. We got kids killing their moms, trying to kill their families. 12, 14-year-olds dead in the street. It looks like the kingdom of the world is winning but I know who daddy is. Even though every day I walk outside, there's another bill, good Lord, coming my way. I know who daddy is. Deal with people who get on my nerves every day, but I know who daddy is. News is telling one story, but I know who daddy is cousin called me and told me grandmama is gone but i know who daddy is do you every day come home to a daddy that sits you down and says tough times you're gonna have them see he already prepped me daddy will deal with you at home and prepare you for what's going on outside of the house Daddy will deal with you on some things. Sonny, do you deal with Delaney on some things so when, when, when a boy tries to step to her, you, she understands who Daddy is because you already dealt with her at home before you go out. I want you to spend some good time with Daddy yeah. Yeah. because Daddy said it will rain on the just as well as the unjust. Yeah. Yeah. Daddy said that you will have some heartache and you will yeah. have some pain. Yeah. Daddy said, you might have to cry sometimes. Daddy said, it might seem like I'm not there when you only see one set of footprints in the sand. But I want you to remember that in everything that you're going through, that daddy is right there by your side. And that uh, the time that you only saw one set of footprints, I was carrying you. And that I want you to know that even though you will go through, I will never leave you, neither will I forsake you. And so bring it on, Satan because I know who daddy is there's nothing that he can do to make me change my thoughts on daddy because I spent enough time with him that no matter what comes my way I start my prayer with our father I start my prayer with our father whose father, my daddy, Jesus' daddy, and the same thing he did for them, he will do for me. Does not mean that I will not go through, but the same daddy of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego doesn't mean I won't be thrown into a fiery furnace. Just means that not even the fires of this world can stop what God has going on me. I know some hard times will come. I know Satan's gonna stop this train, but. I- Ready to push back because I know who God is. We need to stand up as a church and start pushing back on Satan and stop letting him beat up on you. Stop letting him beat up on you. There is a king in you. There is a king in you and his name is Jesus. And he said, if you would speak to that thing, speak to that mountain and watch it move. Speak to a dead Lazarus and watch him rise up. Speak to a child and say, she's not dead, she's asleep, and watch her wake up. You better start speaking to that cancer. You better start speaking to those finances. You better start speaking to that husband that's not there. You better look at that child that's running away, and you better say, God, you said that if I raised him up in the way that he would go, that when he is old, he would not depart from it. You take the promises of God, and you put it right back on him, because you know that he is God, the Father, but he is also God who is king. So when we pray, our Father, our Father in heaven means that he's constantly seated in a place that is above anything that we may go through. He is always in control. Hallowed be thy name. Did you know that every tongue knows the name? Every tongue knows the name. You got a really good king and father on your side. But your kingdom come. You don't access the promise on your will. Some of you say, well, I tried that power of confession thing. I tried that power of agreement thing. But were you in the proper place? You cannot just use him as daddy. You have to acknowledge him as king. Before you want him to bless your finances, you better give him your finances and let him manage it. It's not that he's saying, I'm just going to start keep giving you checks so you can do what you want to. He's saying, your checkbook is my checkbook, so I'm going to balance it the way that I do it. That's when God is pouring out the, the, the blessings that we're talking about. When, when your body is his body, when I get an ailment, I remind God that I use my body for you. So so I need you to do this. And you want me to go out here? You want me to dance? You want me to do this? You want me to do that? I need you to enable me to do that. Because it's not mine. It's his. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every day we should be seeing a little bit more of heaven. Advancing this kingdom. Advancing this thing called love. Give us day by day. You don't have to tell me the whole picture. But I just believe that if you haven't left me this far, if you would give the children of Israel just enough manna to make it every single day, that I remember the same father of them is the same father that I have. Then just give me day by day my daily bread and forgive me my sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Remember, the kingdom is founded on love. And there was nothing you could do to change the way that God thinks about you. So what is it that you can't forgive on somebody else? And do not lead us into temptation. Temptation will be there, but God cannot be tempted of evil. Neither does he tempt anybody else with evil. But I do believe that even when temptation comes, that if I keep my eyes on him, I don't have to step outside of the kingdom of God and back into the kingdom of the world, but deliver us from the evil one. I think that all of you have your own situation. You might have your own grandmother in the hospital. It might be your body that needs to be healed. It might be your finances that are jacked up. It might be your son that has gone completely crazy, your daughter that act like she don't know what you taught her when she was growing up. It might be your ministry that you can't get in order. But whatever it is that the evil one is coming up against you, I dare you to push back. I dare you to push back and start speaking like you know who your daddy is. There's a few terms that we need to take back from the world, and one of them is, who's your daddy? I wish... We could get to a point as a church when things start going wrong and you hear people doing nothing but complaining, just like, Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? You act like you don't know who he is. You act like you don't know who he is. Later on in the scripture, you'll see where Jesus is saying, You have to ask to receive, you have to knock so the door will open, you have to seek. So that you will find. These things don't fall into your laps. And even in a hard time, God the King, God the Father will let blessings come through raindrops. He'll let healing come through tears. But you have to know him first. You have to know him first. None of what I said applies to you if you don't know him. I know you. I know you. None of what I said applies to you if you don't know him. If Satan is your king, what Jesus also says in this scripture is, how can a house divided against itself stand? You cannot allow Satan to be lord of your good times, but try to allow God to be the king of your bad times. You cannot spend all your time with Satan, but then when Satan does what Satan's going to do, you try to cast Satan out because Satan can't cast Satan out. But spend some time with Jesus. Get in his kingdom. Enlist in his army. And when evil one comes your way, you can speak to him and say, you must move, and he has no choice but to move. You can speak to that sickness and believe and confess and have witnesses that say, you know what, this ain't it. And you speak to that sickness and you command those cells to line up with the word of God because that's what you know daddy is okay with. And you know that's what daddy can do. You speak to the raging storm and you say three words, peace, be still, and you watch it calm down. The only thing I want you to know is that everything that you've gone through, Every piece of heartache, sickness, illness, and pain. God was still king. Amen. God Amen. is still Amen. father. Amen. And he's working that thing out for your good. Yes, he is working it out for your good. Amen. But you have to know how to deal with him first. Amen. So- God be praised.